member of the DATC media family. Welcome to the Much Obliged Podcast, a Yellow Balloon Experience, where we talk to and explore the world of the live music fan base who have chosen to live drug and alcohol free. Each week, we will have a new guest and have a short interview with them and lead right into their speaker meeting that they share on our Friday night speaker meetings. New episodes drop every Monday at datcmedia.com. Make sure to check us out on Facebook and our Facebook group called Much Obliged. And come on over to Instagram, where you can find us at at Junkie, J-A-H-J-U-N-K-I-E. Now on with the show. Then truth be told, if you are wearing it, that promises no killing Really good. I'm so glad we remember to record that time. <laughs> I know. I checked. Good work, Benji and Matt. Oh, see, yeah, Matt. Well, I, I, I looked. I, I double checked a couple times. I looked. <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome to the Much Obliged Podcast, the Yellow Balloon Experience. I'm Matt. I am here with our co-hosts Benji and Lauren. And today we are interviewing Josh, who shared with us uh, his story. It's not going to be nothing too fancy today, but hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Matt, I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Thanks for for joining us today. So talk to us a little bit about early experience in the Yellow Balloon culture or Yellow Balloon community. Thank you. That's the one. (laughs) Yes. So my early experience, um, I mean, I remember seeing tables at shows um the one the one that like stands out to me in my memories was i saw um the sober table at a widespread panic show at red rocks and just saw the candy laying out and was just like i need to stay far away from this table like i had an idea that it was sober people and i wasn't sober at the time um and i kind of wanted some candy but i didn't want it bad enough to like get involved with whatever was going on over there. When I reached the point where I was ready, um, you know, to give sobriety a try, I had a friend from the Ween community who uh, had really been integral in bringing the Sunny Bunny Yellow Balloon group um, of Ween fans. He got it started. And he was one of the first people, maybe the first that I reached out to when I knew that I needed to make a change, you know, I'm being aware of some of the other groups like the fellowship, as well as, you know, the, the more traditional recovery programs, they all felt pretty intimidating to me. Um, and I really wasn't sure what I needed. And I gravitated towards uh, a younger, you know, um, not younger in age, but a, a newer community um, that had some familiar people in it with, you know, a touch of the weirdness that the Wayne community brings to the table. Um, and just thought that that would be, you know, an easier um, place for me to start, you know, a lower barrier to entry. 
Yeah, I love Josh that uh, you've got that the the Sunny Bunny Ween community is sort of like your your home base, and then you started the drive by truckers uh, community. The the, yeah. the um, can you tell me? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, starting that and and the impetus and why that community, how that community is growing, how things are going there? Um, so that community is called the Righteous Path. It's named after a drive by trucker song. In my journey, um, you know, being involved with Yellow Balloon groups and seeing the types of community and support that was possible and seeing that it was becoming a trend with a lot of other bands, you know, I saw an opportunity and felt like, you know, I could be the one to start it. And I I, I did a little bit of digging and, um, you know, there's a, a really strong fan community um, around the truckers, um, which is something I, I've always appreciated, and it and it it really you know mirrors what we see in the jam band community as well. Um, even though they're definitely not a jam band, you know, I started looking through their Facebook page and seeing if anyone had posted about sobriety or anything of that nature. And I saw a couple of posts, and um, I think I even saw someone bring up you know. Warfrats or Yellow Balloon community or something some years ago, it was clear that there wasn't anything active at the time. It, you know, there was just a need for for people to get involved. And so I was able to get involved early on and help form uh, the group. And I thought, well, you know, I think I've got relevant experience. I, I put up a post saying, hey, you know, I am a sober person. I'm involved in these uh, communities around live music. I don't think that one exists around the drive-by truckers. I'd like to start one. Just want to put it out there and see if there's other people like to be a part of it. I was waiting to hear from someone. And the first response I got was uh, Matt Patton, who's the bassist in the band, reaching out to me to let me know that he uh, had several years of sobriety under his belt. Um, and he really liked the idea and, you know, wanted to see what he could do to, to support it. The group did start to grow pretty quickly as well. And we were able to cover most of their spring tour uh, with volunteers at tables. I had volunteers that, that raised their hands like days before the shows. And I didn't even, I wasn't planning on being ready that quickly. And they helped just make it happen, which was just really cool to see. It's still growing and I'm still looking for uh, for more people to, you know, really involve and, and help with it. You know, we've had some good success, so I'm going to keep doing it. That's great. Um, I've got a close friend who's also in the program and he and I often text this one sentence to one another when we see something going on. And that is, those who say it can't be done shouldn't interrupt the person doing it. Kudos to you for just seeing that there was a need and there was a, a gap and and making it happen. Um, so congratulations on that. Thank you. I also liked how you uh, you mentioned the fellowship as one of the other groups. Like like that's the side project. And most of the people that we talk to consider the War Frats and the fellowship, and you know, much obliged as are considered the main groups by most. And so I love that that shift in perspective where you're like, this is this is where uh, I spend my time, and the fellowship is a nice adjunct to that. So that's great. The fellowship and the Warfrats are the the big umbrella, and everybody else is, you know, lump. They're under the same shade, right? You know, yeah, that yeah. Cool shade of the banana tree. 
Yes. Well done. And bananas are yellow sometimes. <laughs> the good ones are. <laughs> what uh, if you were starting the yellow balloon community again today, knowing what you know today, what would you do differently? I I don't know. I I thought about it for quite some time before just jumping in and starting it. And once I started it, things just started coming together. Um, so I probably just wouldn't have waited so long. I, I guess lessons for someone who might be thinking of starting one is put it out there, see who will support you and be willing to roll with it because you can't plan for everything. Certainly difficult to herd cats, but you don't really need a lot to do it. You need like a dollar store yellow tablecloth and some yellow balloons and just some candy, just like the the spirit of being there to support one another. Yeah, it can be done. Yeah, I will say that um, the one thing that people I think have the hardest time with is finding a contact in the band or in band management that they can reach out to and, you know, to ask about having these tables. How did you get in contact with the drive-by truckers with their management? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, I, I guess I, I realized in my response that I, I kind of took for granted the fact that, um, you know, a member of the band reached out to me because they follow the, you know, the, they're engaged with the fan group and they saw my post. And, um, and so the basis for the band reached out to me and, um, you know, through that contact, I was able to get in touch with their management. And in the absence of that, you know, would have just tried to meet other people and meet up at shows and, and have yellow balloons and try to, you know, just have it happen, you know, unofficially until someone recognized that it was happening and made it right accommodations. I mean, um, grassroots it until it gets big. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If if there's a will, there's, if there's a will, there's a way the way that we did it with the hot tea party was um, a couple of us had friends that since goose is such a younger, like kind of up and coming band, a couple of us had friends that were friends with the band, you know, went to college with them or so that was, I feel like easier than it, it uh, would be normally. But um, yeah, it sounds like you got lucky and, and thankfully, cause you know, this is, that was, that's a really cool thing to have a band member reach out. That's really a cool story. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was exciting and terrifying all at the same time because I was like, Oh shit, you know, this isn't just an idea that I'm toying around with now. Now there's like, <laughs> you know, accountability. And yeah, now, there's accountability. Like you actually, now you got to perform. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I got one last question for you before we, before we get into your share. For those of us who are more uh, traditional jam band uh, freaks, um, what are some of the, uh, uh, ween or drive-by trucker songs that are recovery related that we should be checking out and try to dip our toes into that. And I'm I'm a ween fan. I, I don't know the drive-by truckers repertoire as well, but what would you answer? Well, I'll, I'll start with ween. I think the one that that pops out to me is if you could save yourself, you'd save us all. I think that one speaks to me in recovery. And there's others in the uh, in the Sunny Bunny community. We wrap up our meetings with a passage from the Argus. The Argus is practice compassion with an eye on you as one is on me. 
May the God I grant his forgiveness and allow he that's lived a reason to see. Um, it, it, for the drive-by truckers, I, uh, I struggle a little bit to say that any of the songs are about recovery or that, that really speak to me in recovery, but there's a lot of lyrics that, that kind of remind me of why I'm in recovery, like women without whiskey, um, you know, he says, if I make it through this year, I think I'm going to put the bottle down. I guess as Tom goes by, I'll grow to miss it less than I will now. There's there's, there's so many lyrics that, that speak to like the uh, the struggle with, you know, w- with the grip of substances. That's great, Josh. Um, on behalf of Lauren and Benji, if I may, I just want to thank you for taking some time out to sit down with us and uh, really appreciate you being here, man. It's been fun. Yeah, it's it's been great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome, cool. And uh, that being said, on with the show. On with the show. On with the show. On with the show. The table is yours, Josh. Well, thank you. I'm going to start a little timer for myself to keep track. Uh, I'm Josh, and I'm an addict, and I'm a fell. Uh, I'm a sunny bunny. Uh, and I am trying to hold steady on the righteous path. Um, those are all the other yellow balloon groups that I am a part of. Um, I am very honored to have been asked to speak tonight. And, uh, you know, I was given explicit instructions to tamper down the hate speech um, and not to incriminate anyone. So won't talk about how. Benji single-handedly take the economy. Um, but what I would like to talk about is my story. Um, so uh, let's see, where do I begin? We'll start with how it started. Um, so I'm, or I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm 44, uh, almost 45 years old. Uh, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, in the uh, West County suburbs of Chesterfield. Uh, I currently live in Boulder, Colorado, and I am a uh, sales account manager for a software company. Um, I was born in St. Louis, and, um, you know, I had a relatively normal childhood. Um, uh, I say relatively normal because uh, my parents divorced when I was about 10 years old, which was a fairly normal thing. Uh, and I guess still is these days. Um, and, uh, I'm, I mentioned it partly because I, I'm coming to understand, uh, more and more that, uh, you know, I can, uh, there are a lot of common things that, uh, that occur with children of divorce that I'm learning are, true for me too. Um, and so I think that's part of my experience. Um, but you know, I, I, uh, I had both my parents growing up and still do thankfully, um, a loving home. Uh, my dad remarried. Um, you know, I was raised, uh, uh, middle upper middle class. Um, you know, so, I, uh, I, I didn't go without, anything really. Um, I was a, a band nerd. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I went to Jewish summer camp and that's important because that's where I found out about fish. Um, when I was 15, uh, I was introduced to two bands by, uh, one of my bunk mates, uh, one was fish, the other was ween. And, uh, those two bands still remain pretty high up on my list of, uh, favorite things. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's funny, I never tried any drugs until, um, after I had started to like, uh, go to, go to parties and my mom gave me like permission, like, Hey, you know, I, you're probably going to come across, um, some pot. And I want you to know, you know, it's okay if you want to try it. I, you know, she said, I would prefer if you did it in my house so that I knew you were safe. Yada, yada. And I kind of wrote it off. And then sure enough, I was offered some pot and I tried it and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I was, I, I was kind of slow in trying everything. Um, I don't think I drank until I was in college. Um, then I tried uh, mushrooms. Um, I was at, uh, it was at big Cypress the first time I took ecstasy, um, you know, and things just as they do started to, um, escalate, you know, I tried Coke and probably my early twenties and, and LSD. And, um, you know, I was I've always been a huge music fan and live music was, um, it was a big part of my life. I first saw fish, uh, 112394 Fox Cedar in St. Louis. Um, and was, you know, knew that that's something that I was going to just continue doing. And I, um, have been around live music. Ever since. Um, and you know, it seemed like, you know, drugs, drinking, partying and that went hand in hand. That's what I saw everywhere. That's what I, you know, that's what I saw in you know, movies and TV. Um, and for me, it was, it was all just, it was partying. Um, and as I, uh, as I got older, um, you know, I, I was dabbling in, you know, in some harder stuff and got to be, you know, it, it felt like it was a uh, crutch is the word I want to use, but it was, it, it, it didn't feel like a crutch at the time. It was just like, this is what I need in order to, to do this and, um, and have a good time and fit in and, you know, all the other reasons. Um, And that continued on for years and years and years. And I was, um, you know, starting to notice the after effects and how the harder I went, the longer it would take to recover the hangovers, the, um, the serotonin blues, you know, I've, I've done a lot of, 
um, traveling and multi-night runs and jam crews and all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, it was as much as it was about the music and it was about the, the friends and the community. Um, it was also a lot about the drugs and did I have what I needed? Did I, you know, um, have I, have I gotten enough to, that I can ration it out? Um, am I getting for someone else? Am I, um, you know, all, all those, those questions that I'm sure everyone's um, thought about, um, you know, and I went to some uh, pretty extraordinary lengths to, to get it and to bring it with me and, you know, smuggle it to, you know, on cruise ships, um, you know, through airports, um, and uh, it was it was all or mostly all just personal stuff. You know, I was never like a a, a dealer or anything, but you know, I would occasionally uh, find opportunities to to hook friends up, and um, it was just it was a a very habitual thing for me. And you know, fast forward. Um, to uh, just go to the pandemic um, when lockdown hit and we were stuck at home and isolated. Um, I started to realize as I was using that um, it was, I was still just, you know, it wasn't, an, it was never an everyday thing for me. Um, but there were periods where I would go for a few days Um using frequently and then I'd run out and it'd, it'd be done. And then, you know, it, it got to be where I was interested in starting again more quickly. Um, and it, I got to realize how much I was just trying to escape from the state of mind that I was in. Um, and since I was uh, early teenager, um, I struggled with depression um, and, you know, came to be diagnosed with that and with anxiety and with ADD and all those. And, you know, I tend to be kind of an introverted person um, and drugs always felt like they helped me to come out of my shell, um, to forget about the, the, the problems, to go out and, and, and have fun and party despite the, the way I felt inside. Um, you know, and I was always looking for that external boost to get out of my own head. Um, during the uh, pandemic, that's when it started to wear on me. Um, I was, I was doing a lot of nitrous um, and uh, a fair amount of ketamine um, because those were the things that really took me out of my state of mind. I thought, and, you know, I told myself, at least with the ketamine, that it was, you know, almost therapeutic, the reasons I was, um, but it was, it was all because I really just wanted to get out of the, the state of mind that I was in. Um, I never got into opiates. I, uh, I never deliberately um, or knowingly did meth or uh, never did crack or anything like that, but I used everything else uh, and psychedelics um, 
a good amount. Um, and, you know, where it really started to fall apart for me was, um, was during this time that we were isolated and I was using more on my own and, and, you know, ignoring work and, um, and just kind of like, I don't know, just self-medicating a lot, um, that I started to get worried that I might be heading down a path of destruction, of, of addiction, of, I, you know, I didn't really know how to describe it, but I was getting worried. And I was getting worried um, because, I, you know, I kept hearing stories about, oh, they're finding fentanyl and this and that, and yeah, yeah. And so I started to get a little freaked out. Um, and as anyone who has done a lot of nitrous or ketamine can tell you, it can sometimes lead you to um, have some paranoia. Um, and, uh, you know, about a week before shit really went sideways, I was talking to my therapist and I've gone to therapy for years. Um, but it was always kind of like when I would be in crisis mode. Um, and I, went in to see her and mentioned, you know, it was kind of like an afterthought at the end of the session. I'm like, you know, I'm, I've been, you know, using or partying a lot at home is probably what I called it. And, you know, I'm starting to wonder like if I'm going to be able to stop if I, uh, if I wanted to, I'm gonna, I wonder like if I'm going to get myself in trouble, if I'm going to wind up doing something that, that, you know, that I didn't intend to, um, you know, and I'd already, ha I, I had already had, uh, some run-ins where, you know, I, you know, been, uh, uh, gotten tickets, uh, not really arrested, but like gotten tickets, like, um, in Alpine Valley 97 for possession of weed or, um, I got a, uh, a driving while impaired one night and that's a whole nother story. Um, I'd had a couple of scares, but it wasn't enough to, to stop me. And I mentioned this to my therapist and, um, you know, I went on my way and about exactly a week later, um, or shortly thereafter, I, um, was having a great day. I was really feeling like in tune with the world and I was, you know, using some ketamine and whatnot. And, um, I was trying to go to bed uh, and I, I couldn't get to sleep and I just kind of kept using a little bit here and there. And um, I started to have, I started to get really, really scared. Um, I, well, I know now that it was a panic attack, um, but at the time I was worried that I might be overdosing um my heart was just racing and i you know i couldn't I, I just couldn't stop thinking about you know this is it I, um and i called 911 on myself to my house um and asked them to send paramedics paramedics showed up 
and they came in and started checking me out. Um, and, and the police showed up as well. I had in my wisdom decided that I was, if I had taken something that they needed to test, I was going to take my supply and have it available. Should that be the case? Um, so the police walked in and, you know, there's my shoebox full of uh, an assortment of things, most of which were, you know, empty uh, baggies and, and shit like that. But, you know, there was, there was some ketamine in there. There was probably a little bit of Coke and um, some mushrooms and some LSD. Um, and, you know, I was being examined by the paramedics while the cops were kind of looking through stuff and starting to ask some questions and my paranoia just ratcheted up and I started getting delusional and I started thinking that um, I was maybe like the, um, the subject of um, an intervention or something. Um, and I started to think that the guy who I bought stuff from was actually working with the cops. And, you know, they were asking me questions, where'd you get it? And I was thinking that they already knew. And so like, I eventually like said the guy's name and like, was just, you know, I was starting to talk and then I, but they weren't really like digging into it. And it just, I, I, it was all like super confusing. I was, I was very high. Um, I was also on Ambien at the time. Um, I was scared, you know, the paramedics eventually determined, you know, there's nothing, you know, physically I was fine. Um, I wasn't in any danger. Um, and so they left and I was left there with the cops and they're going through this shoebox and like asking what's what and where it came from. And like, you know, I don't know, I got that from someone on lot, like, you know, like there wasn't a lot of like information to give and I wasn't in a, you know, much of a position to give it but like i was just so i was so confused and um and like i broke down in tears in front of them and i'm just like i need to do something like i i I knew that it was that that change had to happen and i was scared to death that i was in trouble um i'm very fortunate that i neither had to go to the hospital nor to jail that night and basically they just took my my shoebox and, you know, and gave me their card and said, you know, if I want to talk to them later, you know, and they mentioned something about being like a CI and I'm like, yeah, this is all like way, way too, too much. Um, and they left. Um, and I somehow managed to close my eyes and get some rest until the morning. And I got up the next morning and uh, and I was just terrified. Um, and a million thoughts were running through my mind. And, you know, I knew I had to give a heads up to this guy whose, whose name I, I dropped and all this shit. And I just, I, I felt like I had been given a sign that I had actually vocalized the thought that I might have a problem 
about a week before I hit what, um, you know, up till now has been my rock bottom. And I was like, I got to do something. Um, so then came, well, what do I do? Uh, who do I reach out to? Um, do I need to go to rehab? Do I need to go to detox? Do I need um, inpatient, outpatient? Do I need to join AA, NA? You know, what? so many questions about what to do. Um, and uh, one of the first people I called was my wife, who had recently started up um, uh, the Sunny Bunny Yellow Balloon Group for Ween. And I knew about the fellowship, but it was big and intimidating um, and well-established. Um, and I felt the same way about all the, you know, the traditional recovery groups um, and how am I going to relate? And like, you know, thinking, thinking how different I am because, oh, well, I, you know, I don't have a needle in my arm. I'm not overdosing. I didn't lose my job, my house, my family, my, you know, like I've stayed in control of everything, but you know, I'm just, I need to stop using drugs. Um, so I called my friend and told him the whole story. And he said, you know, yeah, I, he, he told me how, what he did, um, how he stopped drinking. He told me uh, that, you know, there's this community that's been started that I can just come to on Zoom. Um, and so I did that and I told my, I shared about what happened and what I'm trying to figure out and people listened and they told me what, what worked for them. Um, and I started to feel a little bit, you know, more calm about it. I, I went through, you know, the steps and I called, um, yeah, I talked to my therapist. I had talked to, I, I went through like a, an evaluation at a, um, you know, at an inpatient facility nearby. Um, you know, I tried to reach out to as many resources as I could to figure out what do I really, you know, what do I need? What, I don't even know what path to take. Like, I don't feel like I'm dependent on anything. So like, I probably don't need detox, but do I, or what? So it was all scary and confusing, but I started to feel like a sense of calm. Like I knew that I was, you know, there, this was a path. I don't know if it was the right path, um, but I had stopped using. I was scared to use. Um, and I, um, I was starting to get some answers. Um, and I was, and I was being open with, with people. I was open with my, my parents, my, my little brother. Um, I was open with, you know, my, the professionals that I talked to. Um, and I was open with the, the community that I found. And I did go to some NA meetings. Uh, it was still kind of hard for me to relate to that. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you, I, I don't work a traditional recovery program. Um, but I, uh, but that's not to say that I, I won't, um, or that I've shied away from it. It's just that I, what I've found in the yellow balloon communities is what 
has so far kept me um, clean and kept me, you know, on this path of discovery and, um, and recovery. And I still show up to NA meetings from time to time. And I listen to my friends who are in NA and I, I have the literature and I've started to read it. I started to kind of work a little bit through, uh, through a step and, um, you know, there's a lot going on. And so I'm trying to focus on what I can at the, at the moment, which is just being clean, taking care of what I need to take care of in my job and in my, uh, in my life and health and the programs that are really important to me. Um, let me take a breath and look at some notes. So, um, so I talked about like my rock bottom, what, what it was like, what, and how I started to climb my way out of it. I'll talk about what it's like now. Um, so the Sunny Bunny Yellow Balloon group was amazing when I, um, it was and is, um, it's such a great group of people. Ween is a, is a band that's near and dear to my heart. And I just found such great people. And it was like having, and, and this is, it's not just um, that group in particular, but the yellow balloon groups as a whole, having that connection of a similar, you know, taste in music means so much to me coming into this place of vulnerability. Um, you know, as someone who had never been through it before, um, the, the traditional programs just are intimidating to me. And when I went to those meetings um, and, you know, was hearing stories um, about but just some of the you know, places people had been, I was, it was hard to relate to some of it. Um, but with groups like this, it's, I don't know, it, it, it's a, it's an easier point of entry for me. So I, I, um, I mean, I've been going to those meetings uh, at first it was like once a week, then it was twice a week. Now it's three times a week um, for the past. It's almost and no fronts, but almost 20 months that I've been clean and sober. Um, I haven't had any relapses yet, you know, thankfully. Um, but I know that I'm not uh, immune. Um, so I keep going back. Um, I, uh, you know, pretty soon after I got sober, I had plans to go see fish in well it was supposed to be tahoe but it ended up being shoreline and that was going to be my first sober show it was within a couple months of being sober and i was just you know should i cancel should i should i stop being sober what what do i do and uh and i was like you know what I'm, the thing i'm not willing to compromise on is going to shows and i know that other people do it without drugs i've seen them they have those yellow balloons. Um, I had a lot of good examples, thankfully, 
in, um, you know, people I've met through my years of being close to live music, I've met a lot of people who have gotten sober. And so I knew it could be done. So I went and I checked in at the fell, at the fell table before the show. I didn't make it to the separate meeting, but like just the fact that I went and grabbed a sticker and put it on my chest one show at a time, like I felt like that really gave me power that it can be done. Um, and the more shows I went to, the more I started talking to people and, and attending the meetings at the table. Um, I uh, started, I got an opportunity to do service, uh, hosting a table at um, some wean shows and was just floored by the reception that we got and, um, you know, the experiences that I had. And uh, I got, I finally got to um, host a fellowship table in Mexico this year, the third night, um, a big honor. And uh, if you can, if you have to, uh, you know, sacrifice and, uh, and host a table, I recommend doing it in Mexico where they set up a huge fucking LCD screen and like premium sound system with your own uh, soundboard guy right there next to you. Um, it's a pretty sweet gig. Um, and all that, uh, all that being said, um, you know, I've, uh, with what I've found through this process and the, the, the calm and the strength and the hope and, um, uh, just the overall experience that I've had, you know, I, I started thinking about how, you know, how can I, give back beyond just, you know, serving in these communities. And another band that, uh, that is, you know, right at the top for me is the drive-by truckers. And they didn't have this type of community that I could find. Um, I'm sure. And I, I had a feeling there were probably some sober folks in the crowd. Um, and I knew, you know, the cross crossover um, in the fan base would mean that folks, would be, you know, familiar with this type of thing. Um, I brought up the idea in a, in a fan group on Facebook that if there's not one already, I would love to start one up because I had been, uh, you know, lucky to be uh, part of the small group of early sunny bunnies and had an opportunity to really shape what that has become. Um, so I wanted to bring that, elsewhere. And, uh, so I started the righteous path drive by truckers, yellow balloon group, um, in I think December. And I posted about it. And like within the first couple hours, the first person that reached out to me was the bassist in the band to tell me that he's, uh, six or seven years sober and really liked the idea and, you know, would love to see it happen and, you know, offered to help. Um, so in the past couple months, I've been busting my ass to build this new community and, uh, and, you know, we got approval to, uh, to host tables. The first tables happened, um, a week ago. I wasn't even there. I found people to volunteer, um, in other cities. Um, we've got like over 140 people in the Facebook group. We've, you know, you've probably seen me, um, plugging it, um, but it's, it's coming together and like, and the feeling that I'm getting from it and the, the fact that 
you know, that there's a, a new space for um, folks like us to find each other and find support um, in a, in a new place is uh, it's unlike anything. Um, so yeah, things are pretty good. Um, I think that's as much as I can come up with for right now. So I'll, I'll wrap it up there. And I think it's right a little over 30 minutes. So um, thank you for, for listening and hearing my story and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from the rest of you. Thanks, Josh. We really appreciate you being open and, and sharing your story with us. Um, the room is open if anybody would like to share. I'll go. Uh, Chris, alcoholic. Um, uh, thanks for your share. Um, I could really kind of relate to that when you were talking about um, uh the bands with the uh, with the uh, yellow balloon. Uh, I went to uh, Goose last night uh, in Boston, and it was my uh, like my first, well, like my, my second show going to sober. But um, I went to the um, the yellow balloon uh, table uh, before the show. Um, just kind of stopped by, grabbed some of the candy, uh, talked for a little bit. Um, I met a kid in line. Uh, from Wyoming, and he uh, came over to uh, the table too. He wasn't—I don't think he's one of us, but he—he he doesn't drink, so he uh, kind of just hung out there for a little bit. But um, yeah, to find this group, um, I really like it when you were talking about similar interests because when I was in my um, in my uh, like detox rehab facility there wasn't really anyone that was like a jam band person. They always kind of made fun of me as that Humphreys McGillicuddy person or something. Um, so uh, when I got out, like it, it was good to find this um, cause it's good because to be able to do this online. Um, I mean, I live in, in Somerville mass, so it's a densely populated area, but I mean, sometimes I like doing these meetings a little more. Um but yeah, I mean, I just want to say thanks for your share on that. And um, it was good being able to do that show last night. And like, now I have to worry about like drugs or did I drink too much or how am I going to get home? I mean, you get like the show's over and it's like, I'm sober, get in my car, drive 10 minutes home, sleep in my own bed, wake up and feel great. And it's a, it's a good feeling to have that as opposed to some of the I mean, I've had great times at shows, but there's also been times where I'm like, oh, my God, you look at your bank account and you're like, how much did I spend? Like, it's a lot cheaper doing it this way. But um, yeah, but thanks again for your share. I really appreciate it. Hi, my name is Colleen. I'm an addict. Um, I, you know, am only six months clean. I just picked up two weeks ago. I participate in NA and um. I went to Billy Strings in Charleston for my birthday. And the first night was great. No issues. And then the second night we had much better seats because it was Sunday. And I had this experience that really like just threw me off because I really don't have the desire to use that much. 
But because, you know, I followed the dead and widespread and now Billy Strings and it's been decades and decades and decades of me listening to music and dancing and getting high that, um, you know, everything started getting passed around and I just, you know, kept backing up and I was like, no, if I touch that, I'm going to be in trouble. And, and so I walked out and called my sponsor and then I went to the, um, yellow balloon table and that lady there i think her name was cj she was amazing and really helped me process and i got real emotional and i think it was the first time that i kind of grieved about the fact that i can't do that anymore and i haven't really ever cried about it yet and um you know went back and enjoyed the show and signed up to be part of this group but i guess i have a question for any of you, because, you know, I'm still a newbie. And so how do you do that? How do you go to the shows and not use? I mean, I've done it. I went to the last four Billy Strings, but it's just, I don't know. It's been my whole life, 40 years of singing and dancing and getting high. And now I'm not. And I'm just struggling. Can I respond to that? Yes, please. Um, for me, it like, and I must be lucky, um, but it, like, I was ready to give it up when when I when I gave it up. Um, but that doesn't mean that I didn't have and don't still have second thoughts, and there's always a little piece of me that wants to, um, you know, that thinks, oh, I could probably do this and that would be okay. Or there's, it's, you know, it's an addict brain. Um, and it, it always wants more. Um, but even, even knowing that, and the, part of it is for me, I have to acknowledge and accept that there's always a, an appeal to it. Why? And that's why it began in the first place. But I noticed really early on, like, if I just didn't have that first one, then it was so much easier just to not keep not having one. It, it was, I could be, and I knew that if I had one, you know, as they say, one's too many, thousands never enough. I related to that. And I was like, yeah, if I have that one, I'm, it's not, I'm not going to stop there. Um, and so knowing that about myself and, just like having like white knuckled through a show or two and, and, you know, without doing anything and, um, and always giving myself the permission that if I really don't feel like I can handle it, I can always leave. And the show is not more important than my well-being. Um, it, it just started to become the truth that like, if I didn't, if I didn't start the day doing bumps, then it was easy not to do them later on in the day. If I didn't, you know, start having a bunch of drinks before the show, it was easy not to have them during the show or afterwards. Um, and, you know, yeah, you got to change. I have had to change some things in the, in my, uh, in my routine and, um, and I don't hang out late night uh, like I used to. And yeah, there's some things that, that you, that you give up, but you know, I've been to all those late night parties. I know what happens. 
there's probably nothing that I haven't seen or done. Um, and so I, I just kind of um, have accepted that and, and know how much better I feel when I don't send myself down those, those paths that, where I know where they end up. Um, this is like, you know, I used to, I, I say, I, I like to get weird and this is the weirdest thing I've ever done. Thanks, Josh. <clears throat> um, Colleen, I think if you asked every person in this room that that question, you'd get 30 or 40 different answers. Um, and I can tell you that uh, part of part of the answer that I have is um, similar to what Josh said. And a lot of that revolves around the idea that the mo most, not all, but most of the Yellow Balloon groups uh, in their intro, it says that our purpose is to provide traction in an otherwise slippery environment. And we are collectively acknowledging that this is, you know, concerts specifically are a place where the smells and the sounds and, and, and the atmosphere and the sights, you know, those are things that we've all done, you know, pretty fucked up. Uh, and now we're coming to do them sober or clean or in varying degrees of that. And so the first, you know, it starts for me with community and the idea that the people who are part of the yellow balloon community are people that I speak to not regularly, but daily, multiple times daily, um, you know, people in this room now and people in the other um, uh, zoom meetings are people that I text with, I call, I have Facebook chats and Instagram chats and, you know, all sorts of conversations going, building community specifically around the idea that I need support um, and I need community for myself because when I do that, when I'm feeling good, then when I'm not feeling good, you know, that support is, is there. But if I don't build that community around me when I'm feeling good when I'm not feeling good, they've got no fucking idea. You know, the other, the other side of it is for me, I, I couldn't, I wasn't capable of doing it well without a, without a program of recovery and the program that I, that I chose to work. Um, and I, what I found there was that they, that the program promised a daily reprieve based off of spiritual work that I do every day. And so I wake up in the morning and I'm promised that if I do the work today to get that quote daily reprieve, right. Then I know that if I'm spiritually fit that day, I can go anywhere that I need to go, um, and be protected. Um, and so that means that when I walk into a meeting and I shared about this earlier, uh, in, in another meeting, when I, when I have a business meeting and they celebrate and literally open up a fridge in the conference room and pull out a bunch of beers and are like, we're celebrating what Benji did. Let's get, let's get a round of beers. And I'm like, how about a refill on the coffee? And that wasn't a triggering event. That wasn't anything harsh or when, you know, we were walking through a building, uh, and there's a dude literally sitting there on the front steps, smoking a joint like that, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't affect it me at all i was shielded from that and i'm i'm grateful for that so the combination of those two um you know working a program that involves that daily reprieve and having community around me so that i know you know that when i'm feeling off they sense it uh because they're my friends um you know that that's how i'm able to 
go to large venues and small venues, you know, and sometimes the smaller venues are even more difficult because you're shoulder to shoulder um, as opposed to the big venues where there's a place to escape. So um, uh, back to Josh for a second, Josh, thank you for sharing. Uh, you did a spectacular job and um, I know what kind of work it go, what kind of work goes into building that community uh, when they're just getting off the ground. And so anything that I can do to help, please, you know, reach out. We're the uh, There's a number of us who are uh, sort of community supporters in the yellow balloon group. And so, um, you know, reach out if I can help you with anything. Thank you. I'm Andrea. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Thanks, Josh, for being here tonight and for telling us your story. I relate it in so many ways. We're, our stories are very similar, um, you know, as far as the shows and using and, you know, the tying those two together, like I feel like everybody does. Um, and it being somewhat manageable for a period of time, um, the pandemic is what hit me hard um a lot of people were talking about how covid rules were in effect and how they were just drinking in the morning and it was normal and i was like sweet this is great like i can get after like as messed up as i wanted to all day long and nobody can come to my house and if i leave the house i wear a mask and nobody can smell anything and i just felt like it was the greatest thing in the world. I I was thrilled. I was like, this is like a never-ending snow day. Until uh, that never-ending snow day started uh, loosening up for people and, and people started going out and doing stuff. And I couldn't because I could not stop. Um, people's lives started to go back to normal slowly. And mine, I was trapped. I was totally trapped and incapacitated um and in some ways like I'm you know we talk about like good things that have come out of this pandemic and I think for me personally getting sober you know like it, hitting my rock bottom and getting sober during that time um you know, I'm really thankful for that because my using was a problem for a really long time. And the pandemic just brought, you know, like lockdown just brought it to a point where um, it was just open season. So um, the other thing is, you know, with the pandemic came Zoom meetings, um, which when I went to rehab, that was it. That was all that was available. And um, if it weren't for the Zoom meetings, I would not have met the community of people in the yellow balloon groups that I have. And that, just like Benji said, are the people that I talk to all day long and um, are the people that I go to when shit hits the fan. And they're the people that I send funny messages to and we celebrate together and we get pissed off together and we... Um, you know, we just get each other. And I never, ever, ever thought that I would have such an amazing group of people in my life that get me as far as the addiction goes, but then get me as far as like our path to get to this point, you know, our jam band history, 
and the fact that we still want to do what we love as much as we can. Um, when I got sober, I didn't think that I would ever be able to go to another show again. I knew about the fellowship, but I never felt like I fit in with anybody. So why would I fit in with these people? Um, but giving it a chance and putting myself out there and going to meetings and meeting people now, I wouldn't be able to go to a huge fish show without running into people all over the place that I knew just from the yellow balloon community. Um, and I wouldn't go to shows if I, if I didn't have other sober, sober people to enjoy it with. Um, you know, my old friends are still doing what, not my old friends, I'm still friends with them, but you know, the people that I used to go to shows with are still, are still doing the same thing. And I had to change my people, places and things, I guess not places, but you know, um, and you know, the, the fellowship and the other groups are the reason, you know, that we can still continue doing this stuff, but without a community, I'd be lost. Um, and I'm not sure where I'd be right now. So I'm truly grateful on a daily basis. That, um, you know, this, this has all taken me to where I am right now. And I appreciate your story a lot. So thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me share. Um, Dustin, alcoholic, um, uh, addict. Um, sorry, I'm not showing my face. I'm soaking and no one wants to see that. <laughs> but, uh, thanks Josh for sharing your uh, story as, uh, I, I could relate to a lot, a lot of what you said, uh, namely, uh, that you're introverted, had a lot of anxiety, depression, um, and that whenever you used or drank, um, it got you out of your shell and you became this person that you kind of wanted to be. And we're, you know, and, and that was me to a T. Um, I didn't know how to function without alcohol. Um, and, you know, I use that and drugs too. And I used it as a medicine up until it stopped working. It got to the point to where I couldn't leave my house unless I knew, like, unless I was high or had a drink. And the place I was going to would have a drink or a smoke or whatever. And, um, you know, like, and like I would wake up in the middle of the night and smoke pot, like, you know, and go back to sleep. It was just like a constant in my life. Um, I do work a program revolving around alcohol, um, but I also uh, am a um, big in these yellow balloon groups. The fellowship is the main one, but, you know, name, name the band and I'm in it pretty much. Um, it's funny, uh, those three bands that you mentioned with Truckers and Fish are like in my top five for real. Um, and uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll end it here, but I do got tickets for Asheville, but that doesn't mean that I can't work the table. So I'll get up with you and um, and see if you need anyone and see and see about volunteering. Thanks, Josh. Hey, I'm Ed. I'm a addict. Um, take a quick share if y'all don't mind a little overtime. Um, let me put um, my face on it or not. There we go. Oh, I'm in San Francisco. I forgot. Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, thanks Josh for sharing. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I saw the, uh, DVT group pop up the other day and signed up for the Woodstock show. So I'm pretty excited to like make that, uh, communication with you just recently and then pop on here and, and hear your story. And, um, 
you know, I had a lot of similarities in, um, in my story and, um, you know, like legal troubles and all that. And just like you said, at one point when that was going down, you know, you had that thought like, this is just too much, man. And like, I remember that like the first time I got in trouble, like, like not thinking that, you know, and just kind of thinking like, ah, you know, just like every other problem in my life has kind of like been able to be like swept under the rug and whatever. And then, you know, stuff kept happening because I didn't, cause I didn't change, you know, cause I, I took all that for granted and, and all that stuff eventually caught up to me to the, to the point where I did, um, you know, have that, that moment where I was just like, this is all too much. And, um, I mean, I was so, so just like beaten down. And, um, I was actually talking with my, my girlfriend this morning before she went to work, we were, she's in recovery too. And, um, we don't like speak to each other all the time in like recovery lingo and jargon. Um, but our conversations are often colored with that kind of, you know, our experiences. But, um, this morning we were like all in on it and I was telling her, I was like, you know, I've often set kind of like felt, and I know a lot of this is self-induced, but like set myself from, you know, the shares and stuff and the meat that I hear in the rooms and the meetings and, um, whatever avenue of recovery I'm involved in. And, um, a lot of that is because like, I, I, I believe my addiction, like into like, okay, like I'm an addict, like was very gradual and it wasn't, it didn't take a long time, but it was, it was gradual. Like I could, I could chart it. And then like my, um, my ending, like the end of my active addiction. And like, when I finally got clean, like there was no big bang, there was no like, you know, like crazy single solitary event or whatever. It was just kind of like a fizzle, you know, like a slow burn at the beginning. And then like a fizzle at the end. Um, I'm like, Oh, I don't have this like crazy wacky story. Well, it turns out everything, everything kind of in between is like, you know, what, not for you guys, but for, you know, the average person would be the crazy wacky story. Um, it was, uh, the minutia that was kind of like the big stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, like I, I, I consider the, um, the various yellow balloon groups that I'm involved in the bands I go see. I mean, that's like almost as almost, if not, um, a bigger part of my recovery than, than, you know, like whatever other type of, program i'm involved in or whatnot um and you know like i I feel like i kind of benefited when i first got clean and and started going to shows and i didn't have you know like decades of of doing live music using but i did have about a decade you know and like that like i started when i started seeing music like i was i was using so that was the only way i knew how to do it and um when i got clean like i wasn't on like social media and stuff um so it really, well, I wasn't on Facebook, so I wasn't tuned in with all the various groups on there. Um, and it forced me to, when I was at the shows, like go to the table, um, before the meeting and go to the table at the set break. And, you know, at first I wasn't very good. At, I would just kind of stand there and like hope somebody else would talk to me, you know, cause I was introverted too. And, um, but you know that just that would that was just for me like just showing up 
um, to those tables. And now I have like, I mean, hell, like I'm going to a drive by truckers show, you know, like I've been, I've been talking again with my girlfriend, like why, like there's no reason that this kind of service and, and resource can't be at a metal show, a pop music show. You know, they got it going on at sports events now, like what, like anything people drink, people are high everywhere you go. And just as much, there's people in those settings that are struggling with the stuff we struggle with. And that if they knew that there was somewhere to turn, whether it was to get away at set break, whether it was too many people smoking in their section, whatever the case may be, like we're there, you know? Um, and that's, that's just like a beautiful thing. And that has, that has kept me clean. And like, I don't know. One of the first things I heard early recovery was like, you know, some, some cranky old timer. Oh, if you stick around uh, in a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I, for me, like, I, 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 I don't want to say I don't agree flat out with that because what some people may be different, but like, I know I, I didn't get clean to be miserable and to give up the things that did bring me true joy that didn't have anything to do with the drugs. You know, and a large part of that is is music, live music and community. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that because I have done it, like I, I shot dope in, in a church, you know, like not not being there for a meeting. Like I went to mass and ran into the bathroom and did that so I can get high in a church and I can stay clean in a crack house. You know, if if I have that community that that Benji talked about, that a lot of you guys have shared about, Um isolation is the for me the the toxin that keeps keeps people active and in and, and addiction so the antidote is community the antidote is connection um and i know it's like almost 10 past the meeting time so i'll uh i'll wrap it up but thanks josh and i'm looking forward to uh to definitely getting involved with with the group we got up and running and thank you for for taking that on and sharing tonight thanks anybody have a burning desire that won't be cured with an antibiotic. We have a uh, another tradition here of closing the meeting by uh, holding hands with the person in the box next to us. And uh, Josh, you want to take us out with the dude version? Dude. Dude. Grant me the serenity. Serenity. Come, Jessica unmuted just to be like, does anybody have any other antibiotics? Shut up. <laughs> I just got out of a very noisy restaurant. Leave me alone. <laughs> and thank you, Josh. Thank you for being thank here. You. I appreciate it. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night, Josh. Appreciate it. Hope to see you around.